On this week's edition of New York Now, incoming Governor Kathy Hochul takes office next week. We'll tell you what we know about our new administration. Then, the state legislature considers new protections for tenants, but not everyone's on board. Daryl Camp has that story. And later, federal election reform stalls as the U.S. Senate heads home. We'll discuss what could be next. I'm Dan Clark, and this is New York Now. Today, the Senate majority will pass legislation. I will fight like hell for you every single day, like I've always done and always will. Welcome to this week's edition of New York Now. I'm Dan Clark. Change in Albany is just a few days away. This was the last full week that Andrew Cuomo spent in office since he announced his resignation last week. His last day is Monday, meaning Lieutenant Governor Kathy Hochul will formally take office Tuesday. And in the days leading up to that, we should learn a little more about her incoming administration. But for now, the big question is, who will Governor Kathy Hochul pick as her LG? We don't know too much, but it looks like she's at least narrowed it down. Here's what she said last weekend. A lot of people are interested. I would say uh, there's a lot of energy and excitement. Uh, I've narrowed it down in terms of uh, the geographic area of the state to New York City because I am an upstater, even though I've spent uh, thousands of hours in New York City and I'm well familiar with the challenges. But I want someone who lives there. I want someone who understands that uh, the, the challenges firsthand. So let's talk about that and the other news of the week with Anna Gronwald from Politico and Yancey Roy from Newsday. Thank you both for being here. Thank you. Good to be here. Absolutely. So Anna, let's continue this conversation about Kathy Hochul's LG. We don't know a lot, but what <clears throat> do we know? Who's going to be the LG? Well, we don't know that. <laughs> <But> <laughs> we do know she said she'd like it to be someone from New York City. And I know that she's really emphasized um, that she would like uh, women and more diversity uh, in her, what will probably eventually be her ticket next uh, next fall when she runs again. Sure. But um, I think there have been a lot of guesses about who that might be, some prominent New York City politicians. Um, a name that's been brought up quite often is uh, State Senator Brian Benjamin. Hmm. I know some people have been um, curious about maybe Jamal Bailey. I know that there's been some other younger legislators who also have said they've had conversations with her. Um, but as far as what those have entailed, we're not quite sure yet. And um, I think she has indicated that sometime next week we might find out. Brian Benjamin is an interesting choice because we already see him at the lectern in the Senate anyway, and that's kind of part of the LG's duty, so he knows how to do that. He's got a leg <laughs> up there. Yancey, <laughs> what are you hearing on the LG pick? Uh, you know, folks are hearing the same names. One that's been out there a little bit also is John Liu, uh, state senator from Queens. He's also the former city controller, so he has like a city base, mm. uh, an electoral base in the city. He would also diversify the ticket. He has said he's not entertaining thoughts about being LG, which gives him a little wiggle room, um, but he says there's more to do in the state Senate. I think one of the things to make a point about here for the lieutenant governor pick is it's going to be more about the ticket for Kathy Hochul in 22 rather than the day-to-day -day responsibilities of the lieutenant governor, which is to preside over the Senate and be there in case anything happens to the governor and basically travel the state. I mean, that's an important job. But at the same time, I think the more emphasis is going to be on who can diversify her ticket. She's mm -hmm. going to be an upstate uh, woman running, which will be, you know, top of the ticket. That'll be new. Uh, and, well, there's Cynthia Nixon, but there's, you know, be top of the ticket. She'll be new in that sense. But she wants to diversify because I think a lot of people are looking at Tish James as a possible candidate. There are other downstate candidates that might be out there. So I think she wants a downstate person to sort of balance out electorally and also to be able to tap into a donor base, 
which in New York State is centered at downstate. Yeah, and, and I think that she said, I know that she said that she wants a different relationship with her LG than she had with Governor Cuomo in the sense that she described it as kind of a Joe Biden, Kamala Harris situation where they're really partnering and working together as number one and number two rather than uh, number one here and two is just irrelevant traveling the state and not close with the governor. I think that's interesting. Um, Anna, how do you think that would change the dynamic of the state capitol? Would things change? Well, I think that would obviously put a lot more emphasis on the role, and that's something that Kathy Hochul herself has done entirely of her own accord, it seems. She has kept herself extremely busy, even when Cuomo had sent her places across the state to be the face of the administration. She would add her own events. She would talk to other people. Um, she has really changed the role, I think. So it will be interesting to see if, like Nancy said, it will be entirely focused on balancing the ticket or if it will be someone that she really will utilize and consult with in a way that maybe she never was um, was used as. I keep hearing from people that have been with Kathy Hochul at events, reporters, otherwise, that she really goes to these small towns that the governor has not gone to and parts of the state that he has also not gone to. I'm talking about like the, uh, I think he's gone there, but the Chautauqua counties that don't get a lot of attention in state government. I think that's interesting because we have one maybe sort of LG pick, Jamani Williams, he's the New York City public advocate. Seems like he may not make it, but he's been doing a lot of traveling upstate on certain issues, which may mean that he's laying the groundwork for a campaign for governor. Yancey, what do you think about Jamani? He's a name that's out there. I mean, he's got a city office as a city advocate, so that uh, it immediately makes him a candidate for a lot of other places. We've seen that office launch other careers, Tish James, most notably, who's now attorney general. And you know what about traveling? I think also to be uh, watching for, Kathy Hochul's gonna be sworn in pretty soon, but in terms of electoral politics, I don't think there's gonna be a long, long honeymoon for her before other folks decide to start going out, making their name known, because I think that strategically they can't let her get that big of a jump. I don't think you're gonna see people wait till, for example, December right. to start doing things. If you're interested in becoming governor, this is a rare opportunity. Yeah, this is a time where you really have to get in this race to get the donors on your side before they decide to support Kathy Hochul if you want a chance at the primary. Speaking of primaries, or I guess people leaving office, Governor Andrew Cuomo is leaving office, obviously. We saw that he is moving out on Friday with U-Hauls at the executive mansion. Don't know when he's gonna be out, but this leaves the question mark of what comes after Andrew Cuomo and what does Andrew Cuomo do after this? Anna, what do you think? You know, I really don't know. We haven't heard much from him um, over the past few days. And I, I think you can look to um, any sort of you can look to his predecessors. You could look to Elliot Spitzer, who eventually did re-enter the world of politics after some time. Um, I think there's probably going to be a waiting period, but it doesn't seem like Andrew Cuomo or even his supporters think that he will be, you know, flying off to Aruba and never seen again. Um, it sounds like he still will have some things that he would like to say in the political realm. And I um, don't want to be cynical, but I think that people's memories are pretty short when it comes to these sort of things. Um, yeah. And leaving office for whatever reason can sometimes be forgotten pretty easily in a couple years. Well, that brings up the question, Yancy. Do you think Andrew Cuomo will be, will be relevant in state politics after this? Like how we see Donald <coughs> Trump obviously still relevant in national politics. It's gonna be, it's not impossible, but it's gonna be difficult. And I agree with what Anna said. And at the same time, there's a couple little loose ends to, out to play here, which is uh, what happens with all of the evidence that the assembly gathered 
uh, in its impeachment process. What's in there? How damaging is that? What happens with the criminal complaint of sexual harassment in Albany County? What happens in the four other counties that are looking at uh, sexual harassment complaints? Might all just disappear now that he leaves office. But at, at right now, you don't know the answer to those questions, and those could have a lasting effect on what he does next and yeah. when. Yeah, the impeachment report is now underway. We learned last Friday that they were dropping the impeachment investigation, that now there's virtually no chance that Cuomo will get impeached because of uh, legal reasons, I guess. Anna, what do we know about what they're doing in terms of now? They said that they're moving the investigation forward. What does that mean if they're not going to impeach him? It sounds like they're still gathering evidence and trying to put that all in one place for a number of different things they were looking at. And as Yancey was just talking, I remembered there's the whole thing that started some of the backlash against Cuomo, and that was the investigation into how he handled nursing homes mm. during the pandemic. Um, and that's being investigated, I believe, um, on a federal level as well. And so there is still, um, there's still more bad news potentially, and that could come out from the assembly. Yancey, we have a few minutes, uh, just one minute left. What do you think the consequences are of this report? Do you think the consequences are strictly on Andrew Cuomo, or do you think this will create a, a much bigger conversation around misconduct in state government? I think it's going to be strictly on Cuomo. I, I think it's going to center on what they did, uh, as Anna referenced, the nursing home report and the, the undercounting of deaths there. The book, the book contract, uh, mm -hmm. he was paid $5 million for a memoir. Uh, there's been a lot of reports about him using state personnel, possible violation of officer, public officer's law. I think it's going to focus on him. Yeah, and it should be said that JCOPE, the state's ethics agency, has really been quiet on all these issues surrounding the governor. Uh, they may be doing some sort of investigation at this point, but we don't really know because their process is very closed doors because they don't want other people to be accused publicly if they're not found uh, to be to have done something. So we'll watch out to see if Jacob changes, I guess. But we do have to leave it, leave it there. Yancey Roy from Newsday, Anna Gronwald from Politico. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Moving on now to news from the legislature. Housing continues to be a key issue in New York, and state lawmakers now want more protections for tenants from eviction. Democrats are pushing something called good cause eviction, which would make it a lot harder for landlords to evict their tenants. And now there's new energy for that idea statewide after the city of Albany became the first to enact it on the local level. Daryl Camp reports. For the more than half of New Yorkers who rent their residence, access to secure and affordable housing is a top issue. That's why New York's capital city of Albany recently became the first city in the state to approve what's called good cause eviction. That makes it harder for landlords to evict tenants without a clear reason why. If there's not a good cause for eviction, a tenant could challenge their landlord in court. And lawmakers at the state level are considering similar legislation for when they return to Albany next year. Albany Common Councilman Alfredo Ballerin, who sponsored that measure in Albany, says that it protects both landlords and tenants. Because if someone calls in a complaint, a landlord, how it currently is, a landlord could have removed somebody within 30 or 90 days based on the amount of time that they've lived in the property if they didn't have an existing uh, lease. Or they can refuse to renew a lease based on somebody's complaint. So really, that's who this is protecting. This is not protecting bad tenants. If a tenant doesn't file the lease, that's a good cause for eviction. If a tenant doesn't pay the rent, 
That's a good cause for eviction. Even before the law passed, the city of Albany already operated under the rules of good cause. Landlords had to get permission from a city court judge to remove a tenant. But council members like Awusu and Nani say making that practice permanent by passing it into law is important. Yes, we definitely want to send a message to future mayors, future legislators, uh, future judges that when it comes to uh, housing, it, housing is a human right and we have to protect tenants. There are 60% of residents in the city of Albany rent, are renters, and we want to make sure that we are protecting them. But some involved in the issue of housing think the measure would do more harm than good if implemented at the state level. One of them is Jay Martin, the executive director of the Community Housing and Improvement Program, or CHIP, which represents property owners in the New York City area. We've seen when there are stronger laws and preventing more investment, uh, we see that there are actually less rental housing for folks. We actually need to be encouraging more, more housing to be built. We need more opportunities for people to live in places like uh, Ithaca, Schenectady, uh, Upstate, uh, Albany, uh, Rochester, et cetera. So we actually need to be promoting policies and legislation that will actually promote more rental housing instead of less. And that's exactly what Just Cause will do. In the state legislature, Senator Julia Salazar, a Democrat from Brooklyn, sponsors a similar bill that would enact good cause statewide. Her bill would also prevent eviction statewide if landlords don't give a clear reason for a tenant's removal. It would also require landlords to offer a renewal lease to tenants who are not evicted. And while some think that would reduce access to housing, Salazar says there is no proof to back that up. Whenever we seek um, in, in the legislature, to uh, implement more protections for tenants or some uh, version of rent control. Um, they, the opposition says that this is going to uh, drive down um, home values and property values. This is going to cause an exodus out of the city. And time and time again, when we have implemented strong rent regulation in some cases, um, such as the, the existing rent regulation system in, in New York City, uh, that that hasn't been the case. Supporters like Salazar see the idea as a way to protect tenants from losing housing from either eviction or hefty rent increases. Salazar's bill would also prevent landlords from evicting tenants if they raise the rent too much at a time. And while that might seem like a good deal for tenants, Martin from CHIP says that it would cap revenue at a level that may not be sustainable long term. All this does is allow pr property owners and lawmakers to be put in a position where they're saying, well, we've passed this law, so therefore there are more protections. And in reality, it's virtually guaranteeing rent increases because it's built into the law uh, that says that uh, a property owner has a, a minimum amount of rent that they'll have to uh, apply for, that they're legally required to have. And so owners will have to uh, go for that rent increase because they'll be concerned that if they ever go for an increase more than that, because the cost to operate demands it, they won't be able to get it because of this new law. That could change the relationship between tenants and landlords across New York. But for some, that might not be a bad thing. In Albany, Mayor Kathy Sheehan says that since the city started operating under the good cause eviction standard, it has provided peace of mind for both tenants and landlords. Well, certainly it's about making sure that everybody knows the rules of the road before they go into court. And it sets a very clear set of considerations that judges in the city of Albany have to go through as they, uh, you know, oversee an eviction proceeding. As of now, the bill remains in the state Senate Judiciary Committee and the Assembly Housing Committee, with legislators set to return to Albany in January.
And as I said, we probably won't see lawmakers consider good cause eviction until January when they're set to return to Albany for the new legislative session. So, Daryl, tell me a little bit more about the conversation around this. We have a lot of people involved from New York City, across the state. A lot of lawmakers are interested in seeing this happen. What are you hearing? So the dynamic is different between upstate and downstate, and that is actually something that Jamani Williams, the New York City public advocate, talked about when he was in Hudson on Thursday. And what we have seen are people evicted and kicked out of their home at the whims of owners. Uh, many of the owners that we talked about today don't even live here. They're from a distance. Uh, but even the ones who do live here, uh, being able to just throw someone out of their home just because you think so, you should do so today, is a problem. We're seeing the results of it. So why is Jumani involved in this conversation, Daryl? Do we know what's going on here? Well, more or less, Jumani Williams is someone that people have looked at as someone who could ascend to higher office at some point. But this is also a conversation that has been going on for quite some time, several years. And there is a question about when you're taking legal action against the landlord who doesn't necessarily live in the location where the apartment is. Where are they at when you're looking to have a court date? And so this is about a, a broader conversation when it comes to justice generally for people who may not have as much as others. All right. Thank you so much, Daryl. Looking now to Congress, the U.S. Senate is taking a few weeks off until September. And when they come back, Democrats are expected to consider a new slate of ideas like major election reforms. Voting rights came into the spotlight this year after some states created new laws that appeared to limit access to the ballot box. And some of those laws were upheld by the Supreme Court. In response, Democrats in Congress have been pushing a bill you might have heard of. It's called the For the People Act. It passed this year in the House, but not the Senate. And supporters are hoping that changes when the full Congress comes back next month. One of those supporters is Rosemary Rivera from Citizen Action. We sat down to go through the bill and what it would mean for New Yorkers. Rosemary Rivera from Citizen Action, thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Dan. Of course. So we're talking about the For the People Act. It's a federal bill to expand voting elections across the country. And I feel like what gets lost in this conversation are the specifics of the bill. But can you give me the broad strokes of it? What are we looking for in terms of what this would change on the federal level? Well, I just want to say I'm really glad that we're strengthening our democracy. Our democracy has been absolutely, we saw on January 6th that our democracy is quite fragile. And at this point, I think it's really imperative for us to strengthen our democracy. And we were seeing that more and more with the Supreme Court uh, proposals across, that opened up a volley of incredible proposals across states mm -hmm. that would stop voting access to happen. So that's one. The first one is it expands voter access. The second one is we have a system of redistricting that is done by partisan lines. In essence, what happens is that uh, uh, elected officials are able to choose their voters rather than voters actually choosing their elected representatives. Right, what people know is gerrymandering. Absolutely. The third thing that's really important to me is um, dark money in politics. So big money in politics, as people on the ground are suffering and common sense legislation comes to um, uh, legislators on a daily basis, you would assume that these things are things that they would pass because it's for the betterment and addresses some societal challenges. Yet year after year, they don't pass because of big money influence. And finally, ethics. 
Ethics is the so important. The never-ending issue. Yes. And, and we're obviously familiar in New York, yeah. <laughs> federally, yeah. Yes, absolutely. And so this would actually strengthen things like uh, ensuring that presidential tax returns are open. It strengthens uh, ethics and creates codes of conduct for uh, Supreme Court justices, which we absolutely need, particularly when it hurts my heart to say that they, you know, made a decision that actually is a slippery slope, especially after what people have gone through just for the right to vote in our country and the history of that, from the suffragettes to the, Amer the civil rights movement. And so it's unconscionable that we're going down that slope and afraid of democracy rather than embracing the people at this point. So this is a federal bill. It's in Congress. Yes. In New York in the past few years, we have expanded our access to voting. A little bit here and there. There's obviously more to do. If this was would pass on the federal level, how would it change things in New York? What do we not have in place here that it would uh, require? So we do have some really great laws in, in New York in terms of uh, voting access. We still need a couple more. And we've seen, even the last elections, that there are places where the possibility to, to vote was uh, we need to strengthen some of our board of elections. Mm. Uh, we recently uh, just saw that in this primary, I mean, ranked choice voting in New York City, what a nightmare that was, right? Yeah. <laughs> Where we didn't know, what, you know how to move, et cetera. But we absolutely need to strengthen it across the country. We've seen and heard the horror stories, and we've also experienced them even in New York State. So there's another part of this that I, fi I find really interesting because we have it in New York. It would require states to set up these, as you were mentioning the gerrymandering, it would require states to set up these independent commissions to redraw legislative districts. I think it would be only congressional districts because it only affects that. But presumably they might also do state districts. So we have one in New York. Would it look like what we have in New York, would that be in every state federally? So I don't know the details on how it would roll out at the federal level in terms of what the uh, commission would look like. But to be honest with you, it's absolutely what we need is to be able to ensure that we have a nonpartisan body that allows us to draw district lines in a way that doesn't uh, include partisan politics. Our country is definitely very divided at this point. Oh, absolutely. And this legislation includes a lot of specific provisions about voting. We have automatic registration, yes. a whole list of things. And I know that Republicans in Congress have come back at that and said, well, what if our states don't want to do that? And they've said, is this a federal overreach? And shouldn't states, shouldn't it just be up to states as to how we do this? How do you respond to that? Well, uh, it's definitely not an overreach. What is an overreach at this point? I think the question should really be is, what is an overreach when you try to suppress the vote of other people? Mm. I mean, we've seen that happen both historically and we're seeing it happen more and more today. Uh, what are we doing? Are we going back to the days where you have to guess how many jelly beans are in a jar before you can vote? <laughs> and what's important to know about New York is that Chuck Schumer is here. Yes. And that's the biggest thing. This is a real test on his leadership. I want to be able to hold my elected officials accountable, and I'm sure you do too. So this For the People bill, it is a, 
it, for the People Act. It's a bill for everyone, for you and for me. And we should mention, so the reason why Senator Schumer says that he can't bring it up is because of the filibuster in the Senate. So yes. it does have Democratic support, but obviously Republicans can go in and use the filibuster to block it. So given that, how do you see a path to this? Well, how do I see a path where we're actually allowing rules to undermine the foundation of our country, democracy? Hmm. Like, how do you stop democracy from happening because of some, really, some rules? If it takes, look, Mitch McConnell was able to do it with 51 votes to get three Supreme Court justices into office. Why are we not allowed to pass something that is going to move and strengthen our democracy? Remember when we started, we talked about how fragile our democracy is. If we don't do this now, we're, we're headed down a slope that I'm not sure what this country will look like after. And it's something that I think that we'll be watching, I think in next year's elections as people are elected to Congress. Yep. And then again in 2024 for the next presidential. Obviously there are elections in the meantime, but those are the elections that people really pay attention to and want to get involved in. But yes. we do have to leave it there. Not a problem. Rosemary Rivera from Citizen Action of New York, thank you so much. Thank you. The Senate is set to come back to Washington in September, so we'll see if that legislation moves. In the meantime, let us know what we should be covering here on New York Now. Head over to our website to contact us. That's at nynow.org. Until then, thanks for watching this week's New York Now. Have a great week and be well.